Welcome to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we are talking about reigniting intimacy in our marriage. And my precious husband, Clay, passes back again this week. This is starting to be a habit, honey. (laughs) He's come back to discuss this topic. And this week, we are talking about happiness in our marriage. And in full disclosure, my husband said last night that if we were going to record this episode last night, it would not have been good. (laughs) So we all have our moments. Welcome back, honey. It's quite an introduction. Thank you for that. The scripture for this episode is taken from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, let's pause on that. They will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? That is something that I've pondered for a long time. Oh, yes, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh-huh. I'm thankful for you, dear. <laughs> but it's so true, though, because we do help one another. You know, when there's times when I don't see or understand things or I'm bummed out, you help pick me back up and vice versa. And life can be challenging and you need a sense of humor, but truly, Happiness is a choice, and it works best when both people choose happiness. So, honey, I would say we are very happy in our marriage. What say you? I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done here, people. It's <laughs> one thing we agree on. We're both happy. All right, Bl- so blissful. <laughs> what would you say is the reason behind our happiness? Well, obviously, the first thing that stands out is a common faith in the Lord. Mm. We have to be on the same page about that, and that's something that we made sure of before we got married. So that, uh, you know, we can be rowing in opposite directions unless we have that foundation that forms the basis for our relationship and for our life goals. Mm. I think... What is actually going to be helpful in this podcast episode, as Clay and I were talking about earlier, is to list what robs us of happiness in our marriage. Because sometimes we can think that happiness in marriage happens to people, but happiness does not just happen. It is chosen. And there are many traps that can distract us from the joy God has given us in our marriage relationship. So we're going to discuss 12 things that can rob us of happiness in our marriage if we let them. Number one, expectations, expecting my spouse to make me happy or expecting them to behave a certain way. This is a terrible setup and a premise. It puts pressure on our spouse and makes an idol out of them. When either the husband or the wife have a bad day, for instance, we can internalize and expect them to get over it or to stop their behavior. But we all need one another's help, as we saw in that scripture we read earlier. And, you know, I was thinking about the wedding vows, you know, the typical wedding vow we hear says, I take you to be my wedded husband or wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. The day we say our vows, we agree with it, but living that out 
We don't expect hardship and are surprised by it and truly don't often uphold the vows we spoke. And so I think one key thing in that scripture for this episode is really both of us working together through all the hard places in life and taking those expectations and surrendering them to Jesus. I agree. Yes, rather than expecting our spouse to meet our needs, we're happy, happier if we anticipate their needs. That goes back to serving one another. Mm. When both husband and wife are putting the other person before them, they discover they are happier than when they are focused on themselves. So good. And to clarify, this does not mean that we cannot have any expectations, but it does mean that when I am let down by my spouse, I have a choice in how I respond in that moment. Yes, and I think of the Bible verse that I think Paul exhorts us to be happy in any circumstance. Yes. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if you start out with that kind of disposition where you bring happiness to the marriage, then uh, that's going to be reflected by your spouse as well. Mm. So this brings us to our second principle of what robs us of our marital relationship of happiness. An offense, number two, when we are hurt by our spouse and are offended, we put a wedge in our relationship and are in essence choosing the offense over our spouse. Yes, and and this can be so hard because we can feel like when we've been wronged, someone has got to know about it. We want some sympathy. <laughs> uh, not that I've ever, ever done that. No. Huh. Hmm. But an offense is something that I think anyone can carry, but we do have a choice with it. And, and the Bible says it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. That's just one of those words that keeps popping up for me lately, uh, the, that word offense, that we have a choice with that. Number three, <laughs> you have to have the same goals. This is one I thought of. Yes. It you're came so good back earlier. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a basic agreement as to how. You know, your company, your household, your relationship is going to be run. You know, there uh, can be times where it feels like there's, you know, two chefs in the kitchen or the boat's being rowed two different directions. <laughs> and uh, everybody has their talents and their uh, gifts. And I think, uh, you know, we need to be in agreement as to where those are and and who's going to take the lead in certain areas. Yes. And that doesn't always have to, you know, be defined as, you know, these are man roles or the wife roles. But, you know, as long as the two of you understand or are in agreement, that makes the company run much smoother. I noticed you used another analogy with a boat in it. Did you notice that? You know, mm-hmm, two mm-hmm. people rowing <laughs> Rowing or sailing, you know. And part of those goals uh, for me, number four, is being on the same page spiritually, which you brought up earlier. We need to be equally yoked with someone who also has believed in Jesus. Scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? When you marry someone who does not have the same belief system, you don't have the same values, and this will cause conflict. And maybe if you're in a marriage right now where you married an unbeliever, you might feel like, well, great, we can't be happy now. That's not true, but it it will be a challenge. And you will have to cry out to God, if you're the believing spouse, to try to win them over you know, by loving them in such an incredible way 
that they're drawn to Jesus. So number five in our list, just to move on, is uh, depression. Depression steals joy and can cause a couple to focus on their discouragement more than on the prospect of hope that the Bible promises the righteous. Yes, and it can get very confusing quickly because depression is very strong um, and a wife sometimes might feel that her husband doesn't really understand her. And, you know, I, I think depression can be either the man or the, the woman, but I would say it's fairly typical something with women going through the hormonal changes that they go through that you can give in to those feelings. And so the Bible talks about ruling our spirit. And uh, I'm not talking about sometimes with depression, it might warrant taking some medication, but a lot of times, this is where your spouse can help you to focus on what is true, what is noble, what is right, and to get our minds centered in God's Word. Number six is illnesses or circumstances can also be unexpected, and depending on how we handle those hard places, they can separate us or be something that bonds us together, depending on how we handle it. And so our happiness shouldn't be based on circumstances, right? And so when illness comes, as we talk about our vow earlier, that we can still choose joy um, and we have to support one another in that. In sickness or in health. Yes. So the idea is in every situation is to be a servant to your spouse Mm. and put their interests first. And I think sometimes it's hard. Like I, with my autoimmune diseases, it was something Clay didn't really understand at first. And I was hurt by that. And I had to try to help him understand, you know. And through the years, I've just seen him just grow so much in that area. <laughs> that he understands that I'm not faking it, you know. Um, and, and we've learned to have compassion. And I've learned to have compassion in him in areas that maybe he thought, mm, Denise does not get this, you know, finances or other areas. And and so it's learning to be gracious with one another too when different circumstances happen and how we handle that. Number seven is a tough one. Unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness creates a chasm that is exceptionally hard to heal. It's betrayal. And happiness in a marriage is formed in a place of security. And I, I would just, you know, say that, that that's not always, uh, you know, physical unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, this is also speaking of, you know, secrets or a hidden sin or deception or, you know, just uh, lifting, you know, some, some object or idol up that takes precedence over your spouse. That's, uh, you know, another definition of unfaithfulness. Your mm-hmm. spouse deserves your wholehearted love and attention, not to be divided with anyone or anything else. Amen. Number eight, communication is very helpful Number eight, communication is very helpful or not in building joy in the marital relationship. When we are passive aggressive by speaking or even thinking negative thoughts about our spouse, there's no joy there, right? But we can choose to communicate life and hope and to build one another up. And this is something Clay and I do seek to do every day. But just like you guys, we all have our moments where we're not communicating well. And that's where humility can really help us as we seek to make sure that people are understanding, not so we're right, 
but so that they understand how loved they are. And I don't have anything further to say about that. (laughs) Number nine, trust. Trust is in so many areas of a marriage. Finances, fidelity. When trust is broken, we struggle to form that intimacy, but it's worth the fight. Forgiveness and not keeping people in a box are key to restoring trust. Yes. Number 10 is intimacy. Happiness flows in a marriage where there is closeness. It is special because only your spouse gets that closeness with you. When we have broken intimacy because we don't take time to make our spouse feel special, then that can cause and impede, that can impede happiness in our marriage. Number 11, addiction. Addictive behavior to things takes our focus off of where it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be healthily addicted to our spouse. And that goes back to, to what I said earlier about, you know, divided attention, divided loyalties, and deception. And number 12, disconnection. We have to make time to connect. It might be a walk or taking a few minutes out to snuggle a few times a day. Make sure you're attentive to your spouse and connect. you have any other thoughts, hon? Let's go snuggle. <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about happiness, and we mentioned these things that can distract us from happiness. When we are on the lookout for what steals the joy in our marriage, we don't have to be outsmarted. Choose joy, friends. Choose to be grateful for the gift of your spouse. They cannot be your savior, but they can be your best friend, and you both can help pick one another up. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems.